0: Well, it's good to see you guys. Thank you. I feel like I've been gone for a long time. It's been like three weeks, like three weeks that I haven't been here. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. I was out somewhere in the wilderness with a bunch of guys last week. So, no, it was, it was good. It was a good time. I sort of feel like I finally got my Oregon merit badge after living here for five years that I finally did something outdoorsy that lasted multiple days. <sighs> I felt so grungy when I got back, I shaved my beard. <laughs> now, now Paul Nunn is very angry with me. There's a breach in relationship. I want to tell a story this morning. It is one of my favorite stories in the whole Old Testament, and it lasts all of 10 verses. But I like to um, add in things sometimes. I tell stories, um, and this one has all kinds of uh, incredible lessons. It's, it comes, it's just this random story in the middle of 2 Kings. Um, the reason I was thinking about it was Pastor Joshua had been uh, preaching about uh, Isaiah 61, um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is, is upon me, been anointed to, to preach good news, and, and uh, how Jesus went into the synagogue and, and quoted that verse. And then sits down, and then everybody tries to run him out of town and stone him. And these were like his neighbors. One of the things Jesus did uh, when he was in there is he made reference to this man. He basically said this. He said, uh, uh, you know, I, I've come to do all of, all of these things to, to bring healing, to bring restoration, and all of these things. Um, but I'm telling you, um, you know, you're going you're to want first dibs, essentially, because this is my hometown. It's a prophet. And his hometown, you know, never gets honored. And that's partly because people don't believe in him, maybe, because they grew up with him. But the other thing is that they're going to think they can own him, you know? It's like, you're our guy, so come and do some, do some magic tricks, Messiah boy. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Dance, come on. and Because he had just gotten from Capernaum and done all this cool stuff. And they were like, well, come on then. And he said, no. And he, he, he said, you know, basically... Um, There was a time uh, in the Old Testament where there was a drought for many years and there were all kinds of people in pain and not having food, you know, widows, for example. And Elijah the prophet came to one widow, but guess what? Wasn't in Elijah's hometown, wasn't even in Elijah's home country, it was a foreign widow. And uh, there were people who had leprosy back in the day, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't people in Elisha's hometown, who got healed. There was only one guy, and he was a foreigner, and his name was Naaman. I want to talk about Naaman this morning. Naaman was uh, one of the most powerful men in the ancient Near East, because he was a general. He was a powerful general of, of the nation of Syria, which was enemies with with Israel. Uh, They went back and forth all the time, Uh, you know, in the days of Elijah and Elisha. You often jump into the scriptures and read about some conflict going on. And uh, so they were enemies, but Naaman was the big man on the block here. I mean, he was his his king's favorite soldier, Uh, and I I imagine him, uh, well, he liked himself a lot, shall we say. Um, You know, he, uh, in fact, I got a picture of him. This is an actual photograph uh, I'm talking about leprosy and humility, by the way. Uh, actual photograph, there he is with the stash. Um, <laughs> and he's presenting some some gold here. But um, Naaman liked himself a lot, partially for the stash, partly for uh, his, his record of victories. He just didn't lose. So he would introduce himself. Hello, I'm Naaman. Perhaps you've heard of me. And um, so he... His card actually said center of the universe on it, and he would give it out to people. Um, he, he was a big fan of Naaman. Uh, he went third person all the time. Naaman's hungry, wife. Um, and one day he's sitting out after coming back from a particular raid against Israel or something, and he's uh, sunbathing, drinking his lemonade, because uh, that's what you do um, if you're the center of the universe and you're not in a battlefield. He's got his feet up. And his wife comes over, and she's like, what's that, sweetie? What's what? On your arm. What's that? Looks like some kind of discoloration. I don't know. Here's what it looked like, pastor. Come on. Can you see this? See that discoloration? Stretch your hand out. Let's pray. It's actually paint. He's been painting. Anyway, (laughs) looks like a discoloration. So uh, it's probably nothing. Naaman wouldn't get discolorations. It's probably your eyes and my eyes. (laughs) Strange that Naaman would have eye problems, but who knows? The next day, he's getting a massage out in the garden overlooking the vineyard whatever and (laughs) and as they're digging he's like ah 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 and the discoloration's gotten worse and the wife's like honey that's disgusting (laughs) nothing about Naaman is disgusting nothing about Naaman is that is kind of gross though I have to admit (laughs) I'm calling the doctor I'll be fine I'm calling the doctor she calls the doctor the doctor comes out. Now, if you're a doctor and you get summoned to go see the center of the universe, it's, it's a touchy situation. Um, he's going to expect you to do something. He comes in. He looks at it, He goes, ah, yeah, well then. Tell Naaman the problem, doctor. Well, the doctor said, I'm afraid you're going to kill me. This is all not in the scripture, but I got revelation. Um, <laughs> so he goes... Uh, you promise you won't kill me? Okay, fine. Not this time. What is it? It's leprosy. He stands up and he paces. But I'm naming. Perhaps you've heard of me? That's what it is. Sorry. The doctor runs away and he's pacing. He's hyperventilating. He's got a paper bag. <laughs> And his wife's like, how could this happen? Were you touching those people in Israel? Did they have some weird skin disease? I don't know where she was from. (laughs) And and suddenly, this little girl, who just happens to be cleaning the window, squeaky, 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 squeaky. And she says, if only my master lived in Israel, (laughs) then he could go see the man of God. Squeaky, squeaky. Now, they look at her. This little girl is from Israel. In fact, she was a slave girl that Naaman probably grabbed on one of his expeditions and brought home for his wife. Look what I got for you, a slave. And so here she is. That's what she is. She's a little girl. She's just cleaning the window. And she's like <laughs> squeaking about, about the man of God. And he goes, <sighs> his wife calls him over. She goes, honey. Honey, honey, listen! <laughs> it's never happened in my house before. Um, he says, she's a servant. What could she possibly know? What else are you going to do? I'm not moving into a colony. I will not move into a colony. So, fine. He goes and, <laughs> he goes and talks, talks to the king. The king is really freaked out because... He, he, this is Jesus' prized general. So his king says, what do we need to do? He says, well, there's something about Israel and someone who can take care of it. He goes, say no more. I'll write a letter to the king of Israel and I'm going to give you some gifts to go give to him so he can heal you. So great. So he gives him some gifts and he writes a letter to Israel. And here is his letter. Dear king of Israel, my main general, whom you are well familiar with, <laughs> Has leprosy, I demand that you heal him. <laughs> Signed, king of Syria. Now, we don't know actually who the king was in Israel. They think it was probably Jehoram, who was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Um, he gets this, and you know what he does? Oh, no! You've got to be kidding me! He's like, tearing his clothes. No! Why, God? Why? Because he has, he has no idea how to heal this guy. This is sort of a common thing this in, you know, in the ancient world. Alexander the Great wants to get this word, this, you know, magic, prophetic, destiny word. So he goes into, you know, down to Egypt. And he stands outside this hall and is speaking to this voice. Am I the son of the gods? This actually happened. <laughs> Am I the son of the gods? And, you know, you've got like the Wizard of Oz back behind the curtain. Yes? <laughs> you know, so this kind of thing There was like this, this air of mystery about the foreign kingdom so the king of Syria just thought oh well we'll just send him to Israel they have magic healing people there well the king doesn't he know any of that he's like a, uh, he doesn't know anything about Yahweh so he freaks out because he says Here, this is all political posturing he's going to come down and hammer me when I can't heal his guy and we're going to go to war and he's going to crush us he's setting me up So he tears his clothes. Now, one guy happens to hear about it, and it was the man of God who the young girl was referring to. His name was Elisha. He hears about it, and he's like, oh, give me a break. He pulls out a pen and a post-it note, and he sends it to the king. He says, send him here. That's it, Elisha. They send word back to Syria. Naaman now has a place to go. Puts his address on there. Boom. Naaman gets in to his chariot. Now, not one chariot, but chariots, because he's going to bring these gifts to see Elisha. Are you still following the story? Yeah. So, okay. So, sorry, am I stepping too far up? Joshua hates it when I do that. Sorry. Says <laughs> <laughs> I get coyote eyes if I go too far. Forward. Um, so he he's carrying the gifts that the king gave him. Now here's his gifts. His gifts are, are, are 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. And 10 Armani suits. So, if you measure this out, I looked this up. This is mind-boggling in purchasing power in the ancient world, okay? It would have had somewhere around three-quarters of a billion dollars worth of purchasing power in the ancient world. Yeah! The king really liked his general. So, he's, Naaman's feeling very good about his situation. He's got a whole fleet of chariots here. And he's riding... And you've got to see the wind in his hair as he's going. (sighs) He's got his own action music that he's humming. He gets there. And he's, of course, of course I found the right man because I'm Naaman. Hello. He knocks on the door. It's not a very ornate place, by the way. It's a prophet lives here. He knocks on the door and it's like this. Check this out, guys. Nobody comes to the door. He knocks again. The door opens, and it's a servant. I've come to see the man of God so he can heal me of this, whatever it is. And the servant goes, My master's busy. (laughs) He does not know who I am. Knocks again. The servant opens the door. My master's busy. He said, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. You'll be fine. Bye. (laughs) Wait a second. He's supposed to come out and do some thing and wave his hand over me and say magic words. I'm supposed to feel good. I'm insulted. Where is he? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) He's in a meeting. So he gets back in his chariots and he's going home because he is so insulted. He's never, ever in his life been treated this way, ever. And as he's, he's going home, and it, he's got two servants, and they're in the back going, You talk to him. No, you talk to him. He was already mad at me. You jumped It's my turn to be out of it. Your turn to talk to him. Fine. <laughs> they go up in the chariot, Sir! <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, I uh, think, you know, Jordan isn't far. We've got better rivers in Syria, far cleaner, and we get Ozarka's spring water out of there, bottle it up, and send it throughout the empire. The Jordan's gross. Right, okay, bye. I tried, Jordan. Bye. Bye. <laughs> ah, sir, may you live forever, and you probably will. ha, <laughs> ha. Just thinking, what would Mrs. Naaman say if she found... Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Slight detour toward the Jordan River. Make it to the Jordan River. He stops. You've got his whole fleet of chariots, all his soldiers, his entourage here. He steps up. He looks at the Jordan River and says, this is worse than I remember. <laughs> oh, ah. Oh. Okay. I can't do it. <laughs> Sir, Mrs. Naaman. Don't say Mrs. Naaman again. <sighs> Pulls off his cloak. <sighs> he steps into the middle of the river. Why don't you all turn around? <laughs> Naaman's feeling particularly disgraced right now. <laughs> and he gets down. <laughs> One. Oh, this is... <sighs> Ah, two, or is it four, <laughs> sir? Just two. Okay. okay, that's seven, right? No, that four more, four more. So he goes down, four, five, six. I can't even believe I'm doing this. This is so gross. There's nothing ever gonna be. Nothing good can come of this ever. And I've never been so humiliated in my. And besides, look, look at my arm. It's still. It's whoa. <laughs> it's, it's better. <laughs> now, did God want to heal that man? What do you think? I, I, I kind of think he did. So why take all the time to do all of that? I think it's simply for this reason. Humility It's kind of a big deal. Godspeed, my good men and women. We shall be joining you shortly with all that brisket. All right. So, <laughs> he's got, uh, he, he has this incredibly lofty opinion of himself, and it's not enough for him to take the advice of a servant. Still, he still sees himself like high and mighty. It's not. Enough for him not to be greeted by the man, but have a servant sin. In fact, it's insulting to him, and it's degrading to him, and it's even more degrading to get into that river, and it's even more degrading from there to dip yourself seven times. But see, he thought he was, he thought he was everything. And in order for him to receive this thing, he had to do one thing. He had to humble himself. He had to humble himself. James 4 God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Um, wow. Look at that first part. Um, God opposes the proud. Are you getting that? I don't think about God opposing people, but he will oppose the proud. That's a heavy word. Pride, is, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Humility, it's kind of a big deal. Now, here's the thing. If you think, like Naaman did, that you deserve grace, if you think that you deserve mercy, then you've already shown that you don't. You've shown that you do not understand it. A person who stands before a judge and says, I demand mercy! The judge will not give him mercy if he is a good judge. Mercy cannot be demanded by definition. Do you hear me? There is never a compelling reason to give mercy by definition. Mercy means you've done it, you deserve the punishment, end of story. But, not end of story because I'm actually going to forgive instead. Do you see that? So if you come in demanding mercy or you come in demanding grace from God or from another person, you've already shown your heart is not ready for it. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Think about this. He only is going to give grace to someone who admits that they need it. Do you see this? Do you see why this is so? How can you come to Him going, God, I know I've sinned, but I demand salvation? Uh, well, that's impossible. Do you see why it's impossible? Do you see why it's impossible for Naaman to come and say, I demand healing! It's impossible. This is a very simple sermon. Humility is essential, friends. It is essential when we deal with God. We must come with an open heart. We must come admitting where we really are and taking ourselves off some stupid pedestal that we've never done anything wrong. It's simply owning up to where you're actually at. It's actually quite a simple thing. And when we're dealing with one another, well, it's also kind of a big deal. Humility does not insist on having its own way. In our relationships with one another, this is a real sign of humility. You're not insisting on having your own way all the time because you're recognizing other people as just as valuable as you. In fact, you're preferring them and treating them as if they're more valuable than you. Humility. Humility. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Isn't that good? Not thinking less of yourself. Now, sometimes you will need to do that if you're like Naaman. Because you really think that you're the center of the universe. This is the way you'll treat other people. And you'll need that demotion. (laughs) Actually, you're not. You need to see yourself in context. But the truer sign of it is how often are you thinking of yourself instead of others? Where's your mind? Where's your mind? A humble person will think of others, will force himself to look at the needs, the desires of other people. What it can do, humility can fix every relational problem we face. Let that sink in, and maybe you're thinking of things, well, I don't know, that's not silly true. Okay, fine. Almost every time, humility can fix any relational problem we face. You see, it's easy with God because Jesus has already humbled himself to make a way for us. Really simple thing. Man, it's the easiest thing ever to come to Jesus because he's already made a way. All you need to do is acknowledge that you need him and throw yourself at his mercy. That's also the hardest thing to do because everything inside you wants to go, but it's not my fault. When you're with other people, it can be more complex because there's two sides of the story and there's two people that need to humble themselves. But when humility enters a broken relationship or a strained relationship, when humility enters and someone stands up and says, I'm going to humble myself. I love you. Forgive me. Can we move towards coming back together? Nine times out of ten, that relationship is on its way toward healing. Here's what happens, though. We start thinking about the, the things that we felt. And it sometimes just gets really difficult to go there and admit that maybe we had an issue, maybe we had a hand in the problem as well. It can get very difficult to go there. But, God gives grace to the humble, friends. He gives grace to the humble. And when you can come into that broken situation and say, listen, I don't understand at all, but I recognize that I said some things that hurt you, and I want to ask you to forgive me. When you approach things like that, the vast majority of the time, things are already on their way toward healing because the grace of God is breathed in there. Yes, I know it takes two. I know there's extenuating circumstances. But I really believe humility can fix every relational problem we face. Personal assessment for you. In my personal relationships, especially my family, do I really listen to this person or am I always thinking of what I'm going to say next? A humble person will think and consider what another person is saying. They'll listen to what another person is saying and really actually try to understand, not try to plead their case every second. Do I consider what this person is going through or do I talk and think often about my own rights? Do I make it about me or am I actually considering their side of the story, how things are affecting them? Am I quick to recognize when I'm wrong and apologize for it or do I just try to move on? quick word to parents don't be afraid to say you're sorry to your children please don't think that you're somehow weakening your parenting stature be quick to apologize to your children when you've done something wrong am I teachable or am I always trying to teach Here's the thing, God longs to give grace. He longs to bring all of those restorative plans that He spoke of in Isaiah 61 into our own lives and into the midst of our relationships, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring, bring kind of strength that we've never had before in those places. And all He's asking us to do is humble ourselves. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Anybody want that for themselves? Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, and we ask uh, that you would fill our hearts, Lord, I pray especially for those broken and strained relationships here. I pray that you would give everyone in this room the, the, the power and the understanding, and the, 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 uh, the boldness to be humble. I pray that you would help us to be people who take the first step in restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. We have people here. If you want to meet this person called Jesus, they can introduce you to him and help you to lay those things down. Prayer Servant Team will be up here for any kind of prayer that you need. In the meantime, we are going to go out there and enjoy one another's company. Amen? Amen. Thanks for coming.